Hey, how's it going today, everybody? Happy Wednesday to you. Packers have a mighty long injury report that we're going to be talking about today. Several things going on, so we can dive right into it. Matt LaFleur also talking in this press conference a bit about Jair Alexander, his return from suspension, the return of so many injured players that logged limited practices today. So let's dive right on into it. Um, before we do that here, just want to check on one thing. Yep, all good to go. So as people are coming in, let me just touch on this injury report. First of all, not practicing today was Rudy Ford, Elton Jenkins, Isaiah McDuffie, Preston Smith, and A.J. Dillon. Now, in terms of A.J. Dillon, Matt LaFleur did say as though he aggravated the thumb in the game against the Vikings. So something to be on the lookout for there if they're going to be able to retape it, if he can make it through again. In terms of Elton Jenkins, I am actually a little concerned here. I know generally they give him one day off a week just kind of as a vet rest. He doesn't really need it. He's got that lingering knee concern, but he did get rolled up on. Uh, in the game against the Vikings, so just something to be watchful for. His status tomorrow, I think, is going to be quite important. And then on the limited side of things, holy buckets, this is lengthy. Uh, we got Zane Anderson, Aaron Jones, Josh Myers, Luke Musgrave, Keyshawn Nixon, Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, TJ Slayton, Quay Walker, Christian Watson, and Dontavian Wicks all logging limited practices today. Now, the Packers' practice was more of a jog-through uh, with more strenuous individual drills. It wasn't like a full-on team session. That comes tomorrow. So before I get into specifics about some of these guys, I do see one comment. So hello, Jeff. How you doing? Jeff says, before the beginning of the season, I told you that Jordan Love would have more wins than Rodgers' first year in touchdowns and less in interceptions. And I was right. Yes, you were, Jeff. No doubt about that. I mean, Jordan Love is approaching a 3-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. He's already surpassed most of Rogers season stats from last season. I don't think it's necessarily shocking given the stagnant offense for the vast majority of the year last year. Um, I think the, the way that Jordan is performing as of recent, the exemplary level that can go to a little surprising. I mean, it's a happy surprise, but whew, I mean, he's playing specifically over the last four weeks at a top-tier level, no doubt about it. Jeff also saying Packers Rock Bears are going down. You know, the Bears, they're a very curious matchup for Green Bay, and the Bears have been getting a lot better throughout the course of the season. But I got to tell you, the vibes around the team today, you know, players talking at their lockers, the floor in his press conference, it felt a little bit different, a little bit more confident, in my opinion, than it's felt in recent weeks. Part of the reason that I say that is because of a couple of these limited guys, right? And then, of course, Jair as well. I'll get to him in just a minute. But in terms of, like, Christian Watson, Watson said he's good to go. Like, it looks like he's going to be playing football on Sunday. That's what he said specifically. And he's missed about four games now with that hamstring injury. He looks ready to go. Jaden Reed was asked at his locker, how are things looking for you? And he said, hey, x-rays all came back clean. Everything's looking good. Looks like I'm going to be good to go. Okay. Like, didn't necessarily see that one coming. And then specifically with Jair, I was very curious to see if Jair was going to talk to the media today. And let's start with Matt LaFleur and his talking about it first. Matt LaFleur in his press conference was asked, what does Jair have to prove? What does he have to do to get his starting job back now that he's reinstated on the roster following his suspension? 
And Matt LaFleur said, well, you know, we're really not going to get into specifics here. It was very good having him back. Uh, we had a very good conversation this morning. He looks good to go. So LaFleur kind of stopped short of saying in full, yep, Jair's corner one. He's just going to march on out there and cover DJ Moore all game on Sunday. Like he didn't quite do all of that. But he'd say, obviously, communication's good. We're happy to have him back. Then in Jair's portion with the media, which was basically just the locker room scrum, Jair mentioned that there's no animosity. He absolutely wants to be a Packer in 2024. He's grateful to be here. And that maybe now his interviews will take on a certain more serious tone. But he seemed calm and confident, not not outrageously confident. A tone John Jair is still Jair. Like, don't get me wrong. So it was very, I don't know, it was this more subdued confidence. I also caught the, the video clip of as the players were heading out onto the field for practice today, every time we see Aaron Jones, you know, being the last one out, he stands at the doorway, gives a special, seems like he's got a special handshake with every single player that goes out. And today Jair did much of the same, which was interesting to see as well. It's, it's not that Jair's never done it before, but it's, it's a welcome sight to see again. So there's definitely a quiet confidence about this team right now. Jeff saying we need Watson for the playoffs. It wouldn't hurt. I mean, against Minnesota, the deep ball still existed. They actually used Jaden Reed downfield more often than they had in previous weeks. But there was a stretch here. I know against Carolina, they put up 33 points. But against Tampa, a few of these other games that Watson has missed, the offense really kind of allowed itself to get bottled up because they weren't like they didn't have that true straight line speed that Christian Watson offers them. And that was before Bo Melton coming on in the last two weeks and everything. But still, you can see, and Matt LaFleur has done it before, where he really kind of boxes himself in, bottles stuff up. That's not really the case when Watson is there. Because then he knows he has a bona fide player that can actually stretch the field. And especially, it was I mean, it was really clear when Musgrave wasn't there, too. So I'm inclined to agree. Even though Watson didn't have the greatest statistical season, yes, he was coming on right before this last injury again. But overall, he still serves a very important role in this offense being in its fullest form. So we may be entering a position now where Week 17, they get the big win against the Vikings. And now Week 18... We may be healthier as the team is ramping up for what is hopefully a playoff run. I mean, think about it. How many times this year have we actually seen the full complement of wide receivers in their preferred format, right? Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, Heath, Reed, maybe Mixon, Melton now is your top six. We haven't seen that collective of the offense, and especially pair that with Musgrave and Kraft. We definitely haven't seen that. And Aaron Jones. We may actually have the opportunity for the first time to see this offense in its full fruition. And if not this week, then quite possibly barring something new developing, if they make it for the first round of the playoffs. And that's really, really exciting and important for the future development of the team. No doubt about it. Couple other notables here from uh, Lafleur's press conference that I did want to touch on in my video yesterday. I talked about how 
Samari Toure had uh, had an injury that no one seemed to know about, right? Like it just it he got put on IR when Bo Melton had to get put on the fifty three, and no one was quite sure when Toure actually got hurt and how they justified him going on IR. Well, Matt Lafleur did acknowledge in his press conference today, as a couple people put in the comments from the video yesterday, saying that it was actually on the punt return that the initial knee injury happened for Toure. Then on the play that wasn't really supposed to be a bubble screen, but yet it was a bubble screen, uh, that's when the knee completely locked up on Toure. So Matt Lafleur said he's it is a knee injury and he's going to be down for a while. Of course, we're heading into the end of the season, but yeah, it does sound like something really happened to the knee there. One other interesting tidbit from Matt Lafleur in his press conference today that I did think was notable was a lot of people are making the assumption that hey, Packers had a chance week 18 last year, win and make it into the playoffs. Isn't that fuel for this year? Right? You already like messed it up once. So use it as motivation this year. Matt LaFleur said, no, not really. Like we've learned a couple things that maybe the coaching staff can do differently from the Detroit game last year. But for this year, this is a different team. Totally different environment, totally different circumstances. And I thought that was very interesting. And it kind of went straight into a Jordan Love set at his locker just a little bit after when Jordan Love was asked about basically the exact same thing. Jordan Love said, we don't need any extra motivation. We don't need to go back to last year. This team is motivated on its own. We have what we want right in front of us. Why do we need anything more than that? I thought that that was the perfect answer for this young team, because as much as we may want to draw comparisons to last year or love to his predecessor or whatever, these baby Packers aren't necessarily thinking that way. They're thinking they're their own team and they control their own destiny. I thought that was incredibly refreshing. Peter, hello to you. Peter, bonjour. Hi, John. Aaron Rodgers' wish list for his return with the Jets in 2024. Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Thoughts? Well, I saw that. Um, best of luck to you, Aaron. Um, so here's the thing. I I just don't envision Aaron Jones not being on the Packers in 2024. I think his last two weeks have kind of re-cemented how important he is to the offense. I think the situation with Aaron Jones, my guess is that it's going to play out exactly like last year. We're all going to think that maybe he's going to get cut. You know, how could they possibly sustain that cap number? He's getting older. And then all of a sudden we hear of some reworked contract. <coughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry. Excuse me. Still getting over that. Um, but then we hear of some reworked contract. He winds up taking a pay cut, some kind of agreement, and he's back in Green Bay. And that's my assumption for Aaron Jones in 2024. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would love to get all of those guys back with the Jets. Best of luck, bud. Um, and in terms of Bakhtiari, I, so much. I'm not sure the Packers know yet there because so much is going to be based on his health. If this last surgery worked, this is what I've always believed because they've been so patient with him all along. And yes, there's a $40 million cap number and they can open up about half of that. I get it, 100%. But if they believe that this last procedure truly did fix the knee forever and ever, amen, then I could see them yet retaining him on an adjusted contract. If the surgery doesn't go well, 
then maybe they cut him. If the surgery doesn't go well, maybe Bakhtiari gives up. Like, we just, we don't know. And that's why I've been cautious about saying these grand proclamations about Bakhtiari, because I don't think we know yet. I'm not sure the players involved know yet. And as for Devontae, eh, whatever. Neither one of them. I love Devontae, but neither one of them are Packers right now, so I don't have to worry or care. Jeff saying Toure needs to go anyway. He shouldn't be on punt return. That's like his third or fourth fumble this year. Yeah, I never really understood the infatuation with Toure personally, really, at all, to be completely honest, but especially on punt return. I just, even in training camp, I didn't really see a spark there. I didn't see, like, oh, he can do it so much more competently than the rest of the collective that is the backup returners. I will say, though, I've seen Bisaccia getting a lot of heat for opting to put Toure back there and not Nixon. And to me, even in the watch party, it was pretty clear, at least in my mind, that, well, Toure was the active backup to Jaden Reed on punt returns because we know they only put Nixon back there for punt returns if he didn't just do certain things in defense, like play the entire series or whatever. So yeah, Bisaccia, logically, if Nixon just did all that stuff on defense that rules him out of being the returner, then logically Bisaccia would just go to the backup of, of uh, Jaden Reed. And so, I mean, to me, it was like, yeah, I mean, it's logically just following. Now we can debate whether Toure should hold that place on the depth chart all we want, but I understand coach is probably just following a depth chart. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah. And I think Toure, I think the thing I will say too, is they, they put him on IR. That's indicative of at least wanting him around for the rest of the off season. They're not quite willing to give up there yet. I will say that. Drew, hey, Drew, how you doing? Uh, why would Aaron Jones want to go to the sinking ship that is the New York Jets? Because <laughs> they hope they're not sinking. <laughs> That's a, but I also don't think Aaron Jones wants to leave Green Bay at all. I mean, keep in mind, when the transfer from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love happened, Aaron Jones was one of the first guys out there in national media going, we're fine. Love Aaron. Jordan's got it. Aaron has been a massive Jordan Love supporter all the way through. And he is the closest thing that the Packers have to basically being a league-wide ambassador at this point. I, I just have a very difficult time seeing that uh, Aaron Jones may move on. Peter, Dalvin Cook, who's just been cut by the Jets, looked like an intriguing option for Green Bay. Do you agree? I don't, Peter. Um, I know Dalvin Cook has put up some wonderful cumulative stats, right? Uh, even last year, as recent as last year. Now, he didn't really do anything with the Jets this year. But the thing is, what exactly does he continue to offer you at this point? I mean, because, yes, the cumulative stats looked fine. If you look at a lot of the advanced stats about, like, his efficiency, his breakaway, all of that kind of stuff, all of that, even last year when he was putting up total stats, were lagging pretty far behind league averages. And then this year, he goes on this very long-winded free agency tour, winds up eventually signing with the Jets, and now the Jets are just done with him, right? Maybe they made the release now so that Dalvin Cook can go hop on with some contender. Maybe. Seems like a decent-sized favor to do for a guy who hasn't even played for you for a full year. But the Jets do save a little bit of cap by cutting him right now that they can roll over into next year. 
I just, I don't see it. I don't think the Packers want to bring in a name at this point. I don't, uh, even in the off season, I just don't see it. I did see some speculation, Ken Ingles amongst other on Twitter saying, hey, if the Packers put in a claim on him now, it's going to cost him like $380,000 to have him under contract for week 18. And then if he does sign somewhere else this offseason because he convinces some other team to give the bag again, well, then the Packers get a comp pick. Yeah, yeah. I can't see that happening either. I think this is one situation the Packers are just going to completely steer clear of. Uh, Jeff, you got to go. Well, hey, thanks for stopping in. Thanks for being here at all, Jeff. Appreciate the questions. Have a good night. Uh, Drew saying, if we do trade Jair this offseason, what could compensation look like? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I think given the fact that Jair already has several years left on his deal, that does help. Now it's a very expensive deal, but the closest comp realistically in terms of trading a cornerback of that pedigree is probably taking a look at the Jalen Ramsey trade. I don't know as if the Packers would be able to recoup that again especially given Jair's recent injury history. But I think that that, at least from the Packers' side of things, is probably the starting conversation. With that being said, I still don't think the Packers are going to look to move on from Jair this offseason at all. If the Packers trade Jair this offseason, they take on $27 million in dead cap. If they wait until after June 1st, then they took on $19 million in dead cap in 2025, which we know the Packers don't want to load a bunch of money onto 2025 because that's the first year where the cap actually begins to open up again. And by the way, Jordan Love's probably going to get paid in 2025. So I just, I think truly the Packers, we don't know everything that happened there, but I think really what happened is the Packers grew sick of whatever situation was growing with Jair. And then you you had progressively goofy kind of interviews, like the one where Jair proclaimed that he was just going to lie right before it started. And so I think they said, we have a young player who we made the highest paid at his position ever, who we love when he plays for us with swag. We don't love when he's swaggy towards us. So he obviously feels he can get away with what he wants. It's time to put a stop to that. We're going to suspend him for one game. Since then, all of the comments from LeFleur, from Jair, from Goot, all have been about building towards the future with Jair. I, I think we may see other veteran departures before we'd see Jair. We might not have to take some of the cap on with the conduct detrimental to the team suspension. Sometimes the voids guaranteed money. Yeah, and that's possible. We don't know. We don't know, one, if the contract actually has that clause. Uh, two, I mean, a lot of them do, but we don't know for sure. And then two, we don't know if the Packers are actively going to actually choose that route. In my opinion, if the Packers believed that the relationship were completely severed and done, then they wouldn't necessarily be welcoming him back for week 18. All comments around the suspension have always been, we're suspending him for week 17. We expect him here for week 18. And then moving on, right? And talking about the future with Jair. Jair said today in his scrum, he wants to be a Packer in 2024. So yes, like technically speaking, you are correct if 
the contract has that language in it, which most do. We just don't know for sure. I just don't think the Packers are going to want to move on. Jair, I mean, keep in mind, he made an all-pro team last year. It's 2021 was his injured year, and then this year was his injured year. In between there, he still made an all-pro team. So I don't think they're looking at this 26-year-old corner like he's washed up and it's a contract they got to get out from. I think they just want to fix the relationship and move on. Peter, Peter next saying, since Rashid Walker is emerging as a rising star in Green Bay's O-line, do you see Goody drafting an offensive tackle or offensive guard with our first pick? I'd go all in on wide receiver Romy Odunzi uh, or edge rusher Jared Verse. So um, I still think offensive line is going to be really high up the priority list. Um because, yeah, Rashid Walker is a rising star at left tackle. You absolutely have found your right tackle of the next decade with Zach Tom. There's really no questions about that. But there are still a fair amount of questions at center and right guard. I mean, Sean Ryan is playing well, don't get me wrong, but even he's still upgradable. And Josh Myers does still have a certain amount of questions about him too. So maybe not with a first round pick, but I do think offensive line is going to be fairly high up that priority list. In addition to, you know, let's sue, let's just assume Bakhtiari's gone, which I don't know as if he will be, but let's just say he is. Okay. Yash Diamond's a free agent. So suddenly you've got Rashid Walker and Zach Tom, but then who's your swing tackle? Is it going to be your developmental project in Caleb Jones? Or who? So that's still, that number three tackle spot is still a very, very valued spot in Green Bay. They would probably invest something just to have that covered. So I think offensive line is, is pretty high up there. Wide receiver, I actually have a really hard time envisioning them spending premium capital on a wide receiver right now. Because who are you going to kick out? Right? I mean, like let's look at the depth chart, one through six. And keep in mind, all of them are on their rookie contracts. So you've got Watson. Well, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be entering year three. Dobbs entering year three and perhaps the most consistent out of all of them. Jaden Reed, who looks like a superstar in the making. Uh, Malik Heath, he's still there, right? And he's done some nice things. Maybe he's the one that you kind of want to upgrade. But for a wide receiver five, you're doing pretty good. And now you've got Bo Melton and the development that he's got. So like cumulatively looking over that whole collective. And then you've got Wicks too. And Wicks certainly isn't going anywhere. So if they spend premium capital on a wide receiver, who are you booting out of that room? I think that's the question that Green Bay is severely going to have to look at. I will say, I think cornerback, regardless of the situation with Jair, even if they're planning on Jair being good forever, Eric Stokes is a tenuous injury history. Valentine looks good, sure, but like, who you got after that? Nixon's a free agent. Valentine's a free agent. I think cornerback finds itself pretty high on the priority list. Drew asking, what do we have to do to beat the Bears? Um, offensively, let's start there. In order to beat the Bears, offensively, it's going to come down to being able to spread the Bears defense out. I'll just I'll speak about it for now on a really simplistic basis. The Bears secondary has been playing very, very well over the last month, partly because their pass rush has gotten much better with the addition of sweat. 
ultimately, the Bears defense also, I don't want to say has gone against an easier schedule. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not looking to discount what the defense has done, but it does still look to be beatable. And I think the best way to beat them is still going to be through the air, at least the most effective way for this game. So spread them out and continue to scheme guys open. I think that's going to be of the utmost importance. It's kind of difficult to say how to do that without knowing exactly who's going to play yet. But I think that that's like priority one on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, look, it's kind of the same thing, honestly, as week one. The Bears offense is playing way better than they were in week one. But philosophically speaking, it's still much the same thing from a defensive standpoint. And these are kind of some of the games that Joe Barry actually does okay with. I know he doesn't do well against, or that's the reputation, he doesn't do well against running quarterbacks. But to me, he doesn't do well against quarterbacks who are pass first, but then have scrambling ability. Justin Fields has always been like they allow him to get his rushing yards but they don't allow him to beat him through the pass so lock down dj moore who basically is 75 percent of the bears entire receiving yards on the year and then spy justin fields and i think you can still control this bears offense just fine ayahuasca data scientist how you doing uh stats for j-lo this week stats for j-lo this week all right, against the Bears, let's go with, you know what? I think uh, we'll go with 285, three touchdowns, and against the Bears secondary for how they're playing right now, I will give him one pick. So he'll end the year then with uh, 33 touchdowns over 12 interceptions, and we'll give him 285 in terms of yardage. How about that? Bader, any chance to see Brenton Cox Jr. play someday? He was such a beast in the Florida Gators defense. Um, probably not. He's very much on the bottom of the depth chart for edge rushing. Like we saw that again this last week. He was a healthy scratch uh, again this last week. Honestly, I think he's kind of like Caleb Jones in that like he's there. They like him a lot. Developmentally speaking, he's their project. They don't want to get rid of him. They're going to keep him on the 53, but they don't necessarily rely on him to play yet. So that's more of a next year kind of thing. <laughs> Hi, bite me. Uh, trade or cut. Uh, Jerry Alexander, Stokes, Campbell, and Savage. Jim Leonard, DC. Badger strength and conditioning coordinator replace ours. Upgrades, cornerback, safety, middle linebacker, defensive end, left tackle, and running back in draft and or free agency. Well, you just got it all figured out, don't you? Um, <laughs> okay, trade or cut. Jerry Alexander. Sorry, I don't see it happening. Uh, Stokes, nope. He's entering the fourth year of his rookie contract. Like, he's not going anywhere. He's still on his rookie deal. Um, Campbell? Campbell's a different story. I could see them moving on from Campbell, even though it doesn't make the most financial sense yet. I could see him moving on from Campbell. Savage, due to be free agent. Won't be shocked at all if Darnell Savage signs elsewhere this offseason. Jim Leonard, defensive coordinator? Yeah. If Matt LaFleur decides to offer him the job again, sure, I can get with that. I mean, it's the Mike Pettin scheme, so it's still going to be predominantly zone-based. It is significantly more aggressive than what we've seen Joe Barry do at defensive coordinator. So, like, sure. Um, Badger strength and conditioning coordinator? Sure. I mean, bring in anybody? I don't know. I don't know. Packers don't even know what's wrong there. Um, and then upgrade quarterback? Yes. Safety? Yes. Middle linebacker? Nah. Yeah, yeah. Defensive end. Eh. I'm a little leery on defensive end because kind of like wide receiver, they've already got a bunch. 
Like they've already got five roster locks heading into next year on their three, four defensive line. If they switch to four, three, yeah. Uh, left tackle and running back in draft and or free agency. And then Joe uh, Bite Me also says, Joe Barry is at his best in his second game versus divisional opponents. He game plans for run first QBs. Yeah, ac- I mean, actually, um, he does do very well in second matchups, kind of like Jordan Love on the quarterbacking side of things. And then like Kebbell's saying, Packers by 23 because the Bears are still the Bears and the Packers are still the Packers. <laughs> I like it, Lake Kebbell's. I like it a lot. And then Drew D sneaking one last one in because then I'm going to jump. Drew D says, if we drafted five offensive linemen, I wouldn't be upset. I understand the rationale. I don't know as if they're going to go to five. But this very well could be a draft, especially given the number of picks that Green Bay has again. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him walk out of there with two offensive linemen at the very at the very least. I could definitely see that. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out the live Q&A today. The Friday, I'll be back uh, Friday evening with Packers versus Bears looking ahead at that game preview. And then Sunday for the 325 Central game, me and Claudia here for a full watch party with the playoffs on the line. So looking forward to this one. And then if the Packers do make the playoffs, we'll be doing watch parties for every playoff game, no matter how long the Packers season goes. So thanks so much for checking out Lombardi Time Brews today. And as always, go Pack Go!